In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Let's declare the word of understanding again as we begin to study one to let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It's giving me light and direction. It's healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Understanding insight is your portion in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit will speak a word to you that is your own word. That word that you need to turn something around in your life. That word that you need to show you what to do next. You know, to show you direction. To make the will of God clear to you. Receive it today in the name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, speak to your children. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Let's sit down. The Lord is good. As you are sitting there, greet somebody on your left and your right. Tell the person you are very, very, very wise. Say you are very, very, very wise. You are very wise. All right. The Lord is good, though. I said the Lord is good, though. Now, we have been looking at the most important prayer. I just feel each time to start by explaining the difference uh, between the prayer of Christians and the prayers of Gentiles. Can you just open your Bible again to 1 Kings chapter 3? It's a portion we know, but it's good to read this once in a while so we don't forget. We're going to read 1 Kings chapter 3, and then we're also going to read from Matthew chapter 6. Let's start from 1 Kings chapter 3. The difference between the prayer of Christians... And the prayers of Gentiles. From verse 5. In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. And, and God said. Ask what will you wish me to give you. Then Solomon said. You have shown great kindness to your servant David my father. According as he walked before you in truth and righteousness. And uprightness of heart toward you. And you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Yet I am but a little child. A little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people which you have chosen. A great people who are too many to be numbered or counted. So give your servant an understanding. Now, this is a request. Verse 9. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge these great people of yours? Verse 10. It was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies. But what have you asked for? You have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice. Because you did not ask for these things. Verse 12. Behold, I have done according to your words. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart. So that there has not, there has been no one like, like you before you. Nor shall one like you arise after you. 
I have also given you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that there will not be any among the kings like you all your days. That is all the kings around, all over the world. He now said to him, verse 14, If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and commandments as your father David walks, then I will prolong your days. And then Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And none of that. Now, what I just want to bring out from here, I'm just emphasizing to us again, that it's not only what you ask for that God gives to you. And actually, he's impressed when your prayer is not centered on these things. Like I say again and again, if Solomon had asked all of those things, would he have gotten them? Answer me. Why? Because God promised. Ask for anything. If he had said, give me this, he would have gotten it. He made it clear to him that because you did not ask for certain things, I am pleased. Not because those things don't matter at all, but really when God said, ask what I will do for you, without him saying it, he has implied that what is on top of your heart? Are you getting my point? What's the most important thing to you? He has looked at everything that is like, we all have requests. They come with different priorities. So if somebody, like, of course, if God now comes to you and says, ask for what you want me to do, usually the thing that's most important to you is what will come out. Do you follow what I'm trying to say here? That's what's most important. And the Lord said that, ah, Solomon, this was what was most important to you. Oh, no problem then. Now, I will give you what you did not ask for. That's why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all other things will be what? Added. That's what marks out the prayers of Christians. That's why you know the prayers of Christians. It is not loaded with what they will eat. It's not loaded with what they will drink. And it's not loaded with how with all shall they be clothed. You understand? It is not loaded with the lives of their enemies. Anywhere you see people gather that this year my enemies will die. Say so you people are Gentiles. It's obvious God is not working on your case. Very important. What was important is, Lord, give me discernment. And Jesus now said, talked about this. I, I wanted to read it earlier, but I think we all know where it is. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So how do you know the prayer of believers? It's the prayers that's focused on the kingdom of God and the righteousness thereof. So that's what we have been looking at, okay? Please, let's never forget why I read this one again, just to draw it into us. He gives what we did not ask for. It is what is important to us that matters to him. The thing that we say is most important, the thing that we put on top of our needs, that's what's most important to him. Let me say it one more time. Most of the prayers... We pray a lot of times. They make him unhappy. He's not happy about them. He may answer them, but he's not happy about them. Are you getting my point? For example, I may be a man, and I have a wife. I'm a wife, I have a husband. And I'm at home, and there's no peace in my house. And I'm more concerned about God, give me peace, give me peace, give me peace. I have never asked him, how am I living as a man? How am I living as a woman? Is it pleasing in your sight in this marriage? You understand what I'm saying? Yes. They will now go to the church. They say, today, you will say to God, peace, I will have joy and gladness. Because they look at this girl. Look at this boy. 
you have not asked about how to walk in a manner pleasing to me. You are more concerned about how you will feel in the house. And like he said to Solomon, that just struck me. He said, if you walk in my ways, I will prolong your days. He said that there are certain things that are not prayer points. They are natural, they are the natural result of how you walk. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. Certain things they are not prayer points, they're just the natural result of how you walk. So he concerns Solomon, he said, listen, no. he walk in my ways. He promised him everything, other thing, apart from long life. That one answer, if you walk in my ways, I will prolong your days. Many times, the thing we need in life are the things that are natural results of how we walk. Do you follow what I'm saying here? That's it. They just come to us naturally if we walk appropriately. And that is why our prayers must be centered on that Psalm 119. Let's open back there now. Let's continue reading. Now we've gotten to a point where you see a lot of repetition is beginning. And the Bible says something. Of course, using the expression from um, the word from the mouth of Joseph. When Joseph was going to interpret the dream, he said to Joseph, uh, to Pharaoh, the, that the fact that the dream was repeated to you, the fact that twice the same dream came to you, but in two different ways, is a sign that this is urgent and it's going to happen very quickly. Now, what am I saying? When you, when you begin to see repetition now, because you see, we're going to, I see we're beginning to reread the whole of Psalms again, Psalm 119, is because this is so crucial. The Lord is using it to explain the importance of it. That it's not a prayer you pray once and you are happy that you have prayed it and you have been answered. No. It's as if, it's like this. God answers you today. The new level he puts you in is another prayer point level. Are you getting my point here? You start praying for the next level. When the Lord was teaching us to pray, there was one crucial thing he taught. He said, give us this day. A what? A daily bread. That is, if this understanding is a daily thing. One understanding, a new one you have for today will not work tomorrow. You get what I'm saying there? That is, God takes you to one level of understanding. Suddenly, he opens your heart to understand new things. Then you pray for another level of understanding. Do you catch that? RB Time said that um, knowledge opens your heart to receive more knowledge. Now, that's what knowledge does for you. You know something today. Suddenly, you, it creates questions in your heart. Questions come all over the place. You now have something else you need to understand, so you pray. Then when God answers that, another set of questions have come. And I believe that that is one reason why you find this uh, 119 going again and again over the same thing. It gets to a point, start wondering, is there repetition here? But we're going to read everything. We're going to read everything, if just for the sake of reading it. Anything that we have discussed before, we'll just highlight it briefly and then continue reading. Um, last time we stopped in the verse... Um, we finished discussing in verse 80. So although we are read 81, let's just read 81 again. And we are going to read into... Okay, let's just uh, first of all read up to up to 104. Let's read up to 104. All right, the Lord is good. I'd like us to stand up to read it. It will be nice. All right? You know the way we normally do it, right? So let's start from 81. We have some to read. That's about 20-something. That's about 23 or 24 verses there. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right, I read 81. It said, My soul languishes for your salvation. I wait for your word. 82. My eyes fill with longing for your word. While I say, When will you comfort me? 83. Do I have become like a wine skin in the smoke? 
I do not forget your statutes. 84. How many are the days of your servant? When will you execute judgment on those who persecute me? Before we read for that, I just need to highlight something here. We may come back to it, but I just want to say so I don't forget. 83 says, Do I have become like a wineskin in the smoke? I do not forget your statutes. Now, what was this explaining there? Now, please listen to what I want to say quickly. Let me see what I want to say quickly. Then I will explain it later. Why will a man trusting God begin, become like a wineskin? New Living Translation says, I am shriveled. So let's get that point. The things are not working well. That is, let me tell you, explain something to you. The world does not always get quick results. So. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That's one thing we have to drum into our hearts. It doesn't get quick results. Obeying God does not give rapid results. We said the other day, that is why many people depart from God. He doesn't promise quick results. What he just promises is everlasting results. Do you follow my point? That's it. But quick, no, that's not one of the things he promises. And that's what David was saying here. Though I have become like a wineskin in the smoke. Now notice this. What is the the result? That is what is his, um, what is attention there? I do not forget your statutes. I will explain it for that as we go on. It is important. This one, this, you read this whole psalm, it's showing that things don't always work out the way we want them to work out. But whatever it is, the emphasis still must be on being pleasing to God. The emphasis still must be on working in a manner pleasing to the Lord, obeying His statutes. You are getting the point here. All right. So let's continue. Where did I stop now? No, no. We read 84, right? Now, 85 now. The arrogant, he said, have dog pits for me. Men who are not in accord with your law. 86. All your commandments are faithful. They have persecuted me with a lie. Help me. He now said, they almost destroyed me on earth. But as for me. Now notice this. I have persecutors. I have people who are persecuting me who have not yet been judged. Because of that, I almost shriveled. They almost destroyed me on earth. He said, but despite all of these things, as for me, I did not forsake your precepts. That is, the purpose of their harassment was what? That I may forsake the precepts of God. One of my friends, the father was in the occult. And one day the man gave his life to Christ. Then they came to this man, the former colleagues. He said, how will you survive without us? That was their question. How will you survive without us? That is, they wanted him, okay, to return. I was the pressure. How will you survive? Guess what happened? It was hard to survive. This was a man who before holiday time, not today, this was I'm talking about 20 something, no, over 30 years ago, pack all the children, just everybody go abroad, got to a point he couldn't pay school fees. Before, if he gets a, a job, a contract, a government contract, they will pay him mobilization. As he's finishing his job, they are giving the full payment. Now he gets a contract, finish the job now. Money go hang. They told him, how will you survive without us? And they meant it. And they gave him the squeeze. Stop preaching to people that when you give your life to Christ, all your problems will go away. It's not true. Many times, that's when the problem is, okay, some problems will go away. A new set will start. The spirits chasing you at night, they can't chase you again when you are a Christian. They know. There are some things that are not allowed as Christians. You know, you're sleeping. When you do your, hmm. Cut, cut one bad eye for the witch. Eh? So if you come near again, I will send my dog, not me, dog after you. The witch no go come again. There are problems that disappear as soon as you give your life to Christ. Are you getting my point? 
but some don't vanish. Some commence. Business gets harder a lot of times. Money doesn't flow as easy a lot of times. And one day I went to preach in Abuja. At the end, one woman asked to speak with me, told me all the family troubles. I looked at her. Of course, the family trouble is that her father is not a Christian. Her two brothers are now believers. They used to have money. They don't have any more. So somebody now said they should go for dividend. No, she didn't tell me this. Though. After we spoke, I said, I have a suspicion. I just told her, I said, are you planning to go and do village deliverance? <laughs> I told the lady, are you going, <laughs> are you going to the village? She looked at me as I smiled. I said, ah, I caught you. <laughs> I caught, you know, I just passed. Only, we have finished discussion. I was about to just turn and leave her, you know, she was about to go. I just said, wait, are you planning to go to the village for deliverance? They're already making the arrangement. A man in bondage is coming to deliver you. <laughs> Look, the guy is a very good deliverer. He delivers people out of money in their pocket. He will deliver your money out of your pocket. That's what they are doing. I told the lady that day, listen, do you know why your father is having problems? And your brothers are having problems? Not a big deal. They were normal traders, businessmen, who knew how to cut corners. You told me with your own mouth, your father used to do, you know, juju for people. Was that not a source of income? The Juju man doesn't do this thing for free. So this man has taught all of those things. Where do you think money will come from? I said that is the reason why you have problems. Forget the generational, because there's no generational anything. The generational thing has ended. If you wanted to continue, go back to what you were doing before. I said, listen, your brothers now have to go and learn righteousness. Before they knew how to do sharp sharp in the market and make money. Now the spirit of Christ in them constrains them. They can't do it anymore. So they don't have money again. Why are you making it look like see, something serious has happened? Nothing serious has happened. It's like Evans gives his life to Christ and it's now washing car to survive. Is that the normal thing? Yeah. That's the normal thing now. You know Evans, the, the kidnapper. <laughs> if they release him and he say, I've given my life to Christ, now see him on the road. Say, bro, anything for your boys? He say, ah, before he gave his life to Christ, he was flying around. Now look at it. Being a believer now, he can't fly again. Oh, boy, crawl. <laughs> Otherwise, you go to hellfire. All the flying around, you were flying around. We knew where you were flying to. We knew where you were flying to. You were going to fly into hellfire. But I deliver you from hellfire and say, crawl into heaven. And you are complaining? Of course you will not complain. Let people know. Giving your life to Christ does not, in fact, it doesn't ever make anybody rich. Listen, it removes your curses. So if your curses were the one reason why you were in poverty before, you might be, you might become rich. It's possible. <laughs> God doesn't save people with promise of prosperity. I just give you money, give your life to me, and I'll pay you. Even the devil will repent if you offer that one. That's one major problem with the gospel of prosperity. Lord came to church to become rich. And we've stolen, they caught us. We did for one night, it did not work. We don't check, they not say, God can make you prosper. I said, let's come and try God. I came to tell you today, the Lord give it and the Lord take it. When people giving their lives to Christ as they are arriving, you know, Paul was a well-known fellow, influential. And I looked like he was a prosperous man. And Jesus appeared to him and said, I want you to know you are going to suffer for my sake. That's the discussion. So how much suffering? Mm, they will beat you. <laughs> and the other thing. You like shipwreck? Okay, put in two, two, two three shipwrecks for him. Mm, and the other thing. The angel said, uh, Lord, do you mind if we let, we let him escape from the wall? We let him die in the basket? All right? Chicken coop for him. Put him in a chicken cage. And the other thing. Mm, beat him like a criminal. 49 lashes. You know that thing? Ah, boy, now so you like this suffering. Remove his head eventually. <laughs> Paul said, thank you. Sign the deal. That's how he gave his life to Christ. 
So anytime they say, don't go there, there's suffering, they say, suffering, the suffering. Are you getting my point? Uh-huh. But just by the way, don't suffer useless suffering. No. <laughs> Let's just get down. Say, hey, hey. Now, there are different kinds of sufferings. If your suffering is not saving anybody, you're a sinner. Let's get that one clear. If suffering is not developing anything, you there's a problem. The Christians can suffer for wrongdoing. That's what Peter warned about it. Okay? I'm just trying to say that we are not doing righteousness because it's our way of getting money or becoming rich. No. The righteousness is for the sake of righteousness. We do righteousness so as to please God. Once God is pleased, we are happy. That's it. It's not good ever since I did that righteousness. You know, you promised me something. God is okay. How long have you done it? Two years, 20 more years, then we'll discuss. So just do the righteousness like something you will do forever. Are you getting my point? Don't even set your eyes on the goal, on the reward. Don't. Let the reward that you are looking forward to is simply that two things. One, that God is happy that one day he will shake your hand and say, well done, good and faithful servant. That is one. Then number two, that every sacrifice you make is blessing somebody. It's not a wasted sacrifice. Paul said it that, look, what is happening is that we are being poured as a drink offering on the sacrifice of your faith. It's for your faith. So suffering is not because I have, we are not Hindus. Are you getting my point? We're not Hindus. We're not Hindus. We are Christians. Every so-called suffering we endure is for the sake of having our lives count with God. Are you getting my point? And let's get that one clear. I just feel like saying that. Now, why I said that is that, so, that man I was telling you about, so, serious. Not for one year. Not for, God just look, looked at him like this. God didn't move. In quotes, he appeared like. But eventually God blessed him. Of course, his children were all believers and you know, they grew up to be successful people. You understand? But God, I mean, God, you know, confirmed his word. But immediately, those people tried to strangle him. They tried to squeeze him. They tried. If you go and read this book, Run, Baby, Run, Nicky Cruz. Because it's another one, Cross and the Switchblade. That's by David Wilkerson. Alright, it's the story of the same people, but different sides. Alright, in Run Baby Run, Nicky Cruz gave his life to Christ. He and a lot of his friends. A lot of his friends went back because they were gang members. And then when they gave his life to Christ, the rival gangs that night came to kill him. One guy there. And God gave him the opportunity to strike that guy and kill the other guy. He gave him the opportunity like this, strike the guy. He said his motion was complete. That's he was about to hit, you know, have something in his hand. Just head turned the other cheek. Turned the other cheek. So he threw away his weapon and left that guy alive. The gang came next day. Yeah, this one. One of his friends who gave his life to Christ that went back. He said next time he saw that guy, he told him that. He said something to him just said that this is your last chance. He went. Next time he came back. How is this guy? They said he's dead. Why did he go back? In the gang, they had influence. They had you know, gang protection. All of these things were taken away because they gave their life to Christ. But that is a test of people's faith. So being a believer, sometimes you get squeezed. You get squeezed. Standing for righteousness sometimes will hurt you. But you will never, because of that, refuse to stand for righteousness. And that's what David was saying. So David said like this, as 87, they almost destroyed me. That's it. On earth. In fact, can I read that New Living Translation? He said, they almost finished me off. But I refused to abandon your commandments. And that's very powerful. He said, they almost finished me off. But I refused to abandon your commandments. That is, that was the thing they were going for. This guy, you will abandon his commandments. He said, no, I refused. He now asked the Lord, 
In your unfailing love, spe- okay, who reading that one? All right, so let's read verse 88. Revive me according to your loving kindness, so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. That is, all he could do is that, Lord, here I am. You, I trust in you. You revive me. Verse 89. Forever, O Lord. Oh, this is one of the most well-known verses of the Bible, especially for Pentecostals. <laughs> Forever, O Lord. Ah, these are the early songs sang those days in university. You, you just must sing it, Sha. Yes, I don't believe you. I don't blame you. Me too, I like it. <laughs> Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. 90. Your faithfulness continues throughout all generations. You establish the earth and it stands. Verse 91. They stand this day according to your ordinances. For all things are your servants. Verse 92. If your law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have revived me. 94. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. Verse 95, the wicked wait for me to destroy me. I shall diligently consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection. Your commandment is certainly broad. Now, listen to this. I just want to emphasize that again. We'll continue reading. The wicked wait for me to destroy me. What do I do? I diligently consider your testimonies. Listen, everything in this life... Every trial in this life, every confusion, every I'm looking for a job I did not get, I'm looking for money I didn't find. Are you getting my point? All of them are designed for one purpose, to make you abandon the commandments, to make you abandon the testimonies, to make you walk away from the precepts. That's it. David now said it again and again. The wicked wait for me to destroy me. But what is it that I did while they were waiting to destroy for me, I simply diligently consider your testimonies. After David was anointed king, remember? All right, God gave him the opportunity. What, what happened? Saul was always hiding to do what? To destroy him. But what was the result? What did he do? He considered the testimonies. Don't forget it. Just know, I get fired from my office. You know what it is? Temptation to depart from something. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget it. Sometimes I see people who say they're having troubles, they make decisions. I just shake my head. You don't understand. It's in the furnace of affliction that God chooses his children. It's like, okay, there was trouble. How did they react? Look, <laughs> one woman came to me once. I didn't know I was like the second or third pastor she was talking to. She had an issue. Not a big deal, but she wanted, what had to do with her work. Her husband said, you will do this way. He wanted her to resign from a particular job. So looking for who would tell her not to resign. So by the time she finished explaining, 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 explaining everything, I said, Madam, I'm sorry, but I think as things are right now, just resign. I, I won't tell you the details. I know that we don't have time for that. The man was worried about some things, and he said, Look, you have to leave that office. Eh, if I leave now, how will I get work? Can you know, know this kind of story, story. So when you don't want to do something, start telling stories. If you need telling me the whole story. And if any that concern left or right, I said, Madam, you know what? Left to me, just resign. Her countenance fell. She expected me to say that, in the name of Jesus. I said, listen, this is trial to see whether you will obey the precepts. 
I am not going to join you now in disobeying this precept. It was, it was clear to her. Yeah, are you getting my point? I mean, she knew that, look, this is the right. She was, hey, God, at the end of the day, I tell her, like, this girl is being tempted. She doesn't want to listen. Everything you have experienced in life is a temptation. You will see there's a word you are supposed to obey. Most of the time, you will know that word. It's pressure. That's why I tell you, go and pray. Hebrews chapter 4. We don't have to do the throne of grace. To do what? To obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. What's that time of need? The time pressure is saying disobey. That's what prayer is about. So David said, the wicked are waiting for me. Boko Haram is bombing my churches. Islamic headsmen are attacking. I'm going to buy weapons and shoot everybody. Are you getting my point? Uh-huh. I don't know. He said, while all of these things are going on, I will diligently consider your testimonies. I won't let pressure teach me what I'm supposed to do. He said in verse uh, 96, I have seen a limit to all perfection. All right? That, let me just read the limit transition. They say every perfection has its limits, but your commands have no limits. Now, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. 98. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. Verse 99, I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, because I have observed your precepts. Please don't be angry with me. Let's start again from 98. It is too sweet. I can't let it go. He said, your commandments, you start reading 98, all right? Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. For they are ever mine. 99 says, I have more insight than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. 100, I understand more than the aged. Because I have observed your precepts. So powerful. We'll come back to it. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. 102, I have not turned aside from your ordinances. For you have heard, for you yourself have taught me. 103, how sweet are your words to my taste? Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. 104. From your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. That's so nice reading that one together. Now, before I continue reading this, remember, we're just learning how to pray. What to pray about? What are the things we say in prayer? Before I continue reading this one again, I just want to remind us of something we said last time, and it's very, very important. I know it's like I'm repeating myself, but just like it's very important. Now, this is a recommendation I have for all this, uh, the, this portion of the, uh, of, Psalm, of the Bible, Psalm 119. What is a fast? Remember, we've been discussing it here again and again. What is a fast of a believer? It is a time out we take to focus on the Word of God, to check ourselves with God's Word. You know, to listen to what the Spirit is saying. You understand? That is what the fast is. That's why I say all the time to Christians, if you are fasting, you cannot be watching football. You cannot be watching African magic. In fact, that one is even worse than football. Do you understand? Uh-huh. You, you understand? You can't be watching Z-World. You cannot, if you are fasting, the so-called fasting that we do sometimes, in which we we'll get up, live where we are, we'll go to our office, you are a banking officer, you are counting cash from 8 o'clock till 5 p.m. And you are hungry. You say, why are you hungry? You say, because I'm, I'm fasting. That's not a fast. It's not. All right? That is misguided uh, religious activity. If you are going to work, eat something, please. All right? 
don't faint in the vault. They may lock you inside. <laughs> they won't know you are there now. Say, where is Andrew? I think he has gone home. Okay, lock the vault. Back up. I mean, those of you walking in the bank, is there any alarm inside in case you are locked inside? Uh, please eat something so that you don't faint inside there. The point I'm just making is that it is not the hunger that makes it a fast. So it's the time you take out to focus on the word of God. That's what makes it a fast. In which case, this issue of sitting down to wine and dine becomes a distraction. Do you understand? Uh-huh. This afternoon I went somewhere, they said, eat pandedia. I said, I'm going to preach. Best that we pray, your pandedia will digest. The prayer did not work. Because I had the pandedia, and I'm still waiting for it to go down. <laughs> Eat, don't worry. Went for a meeting, no. A spiritual meeting, no. Spiritual meeting, honestly, went to pray. Went to plot, no plots for some important good things. At the end of the day, we prayed. In fact, we had like three sessions of prayer. Up to four sessions, self. Some of them on the phone, you know, prayer, serious prayer. At the end of the day, okay, now we have finished praying. Oh, yeah, open the door of the kitchen. Ah, now please begin to appear. And I said, please excuse me. I have to go and pray. He said, no, 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 no. I said, please. Pandadium has a problem. I'm preaching has a problem. And I've experienced it before. He said, don't worry. We'll pray for grace that this one will digest. So when I ate my portion, he said, eat more. He said, I beg. Thank you. I need to preach. If I ate my apostle, I'll just say, go on, go on. You won't know I'm saying, go on, go on. <laughs> I'm going to call. You'll be declaring the word. I'll, be, I'll join. You don't know that I'm saying, oh boy, they pray, they go. <laughs> I don't, uh, you know, I don't load heavy. The Lord is good. So I had to control myself because I needed to preach. The Lord is good. I want to say that's how it is, okay? So eating heavily becomes a distraction. And that's why we are very careful. So I keep on emphasizing it is not just the food as the issue when Christians are fasting. It is everything. It's every form of distraction. So the idea that Christians have had over time in which they indulge in the other distractions, but keep away from eating. It's not Christ. I mean, it's not Christianity. It's not Christianity. <laughs> You're not fasting. You're not fasting. You're exercising yourself in Hinduism. Okay? That's just how it is. Back to what we're saying. So now, how do we use Psalm 1? This is my recommendation. I last. I just feel like repeating myself. And what we, what we do is I take this portion, all right, and use it to pray. Are you getting my point? Just take a segment. Take a segment and use it for like a week. Go by it again and again and again. Okay? And you'll see sometimes they will say something that I have done this. I have ensured that I, I did not depart. If you can't say that confidently, then that becomes a point of repentance. A point in which you check and you are sure. That is, you check your life and say, look, listen, I've not done this thing the way I knew to do it. It is time for me to change and get to the proper thing. Let me say something to us again about trials and uh, afflictions and challenges in life. They are God's warnings. Forget this noise that people make all over the time, say any means, witches, and forget all of those things. God doesn't always shout loud. This, I heard a voice, is not the normal thing. He doesn't do that often. He doesn't do it often. Check my book, Guided by the Spirit, I explained it inside there. He does not do it often. He does that once in a while, but there are other things he has placed there. Okay? That is, things come, they are not moving well. He said, go back home, fast, and do what? Pray. Psalm 119 is good. 
Meditation on the word of God, on the precepts. I said something last time. Was it last Tuesday I was explaining it here? That anything you want to get into, okay, yes, the last time we're talking about this, okay? When we're talking about your hands made me, your hands formed me, that's, uh, which, where is that one now? Yes, 73. Your hands made me and fashioned me, give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Then we explain that we want to start something new in life, we need to sit down and count, and then come forth from there with wisdom for salvation. Sometimes in life you are going on that path, on that career, things are not working as well as they should. This is a distraction to start thinking there are people that don't like me. You know, somebody forwarded a, a, an, a sermon or an essay to me uh, yesterday or so. And the fellow called it, you know, initially, just because of who sent it, no matter who have bothered reading. But the fellow, you know why? The file was titled Islamic Agenda. And when I hear Islamic Agenda, you know what happens? I'm just irritated. But because of who sent it, I opened it. And I was happy I did because somebody wrote. That's why I forwarded it to me. It wasn't when I wrote it. And the person wrote and explained that what people call Islamic agenda is actually a distraction from the real thing. His opinion was that Satan is happy with this distraction. Satan is glad that a lot of Christians are focused on they want to take over the world, the Islamic agenda. And the man wrote everything. In fact, I was happy to read because these are the same things, all right, that I've been saying for some time. In fact, many of you have heard me say it. I've said the same things again and again. Islamic agenda is not a problem. First, let me just explain something to you, just by the way, just briefly. Islam has a right to have their agenda. It is not a sin at all. It's not a sign of their wickedness. It's a sign that they have a religion that has a missionary outreach, outlook. Don't you have an agenda? Here Christians talk as if they want to Islamize Nigeria. You know, don't, don't stop saying things that God will just be angry with you over. Because you too want to Christianize Nigeria. So what is the thing? What, have they now, what is now strange? Everybody has a right to his agenda. The problem with Christians is that they don't really have an active agenda many times. Which is why they are making noise about somebody else's agenda. Look at the way they are fighting their battle. At least a lot of, the, a lot of them talk. Run down from the north. Leave the north. What are you doing there? Thereby canceling the agenda to Christianize what? Nigeria. And then saying that they want to Islamize us. They, listen, let me give you the word of God again. They will Islamize you and your children if you don't Christianize them. Did you hear what I said? Yes, don't think the line is going to be drawn along River Niger and River Benue. And everybody below River Niger and River Benue is Christian and everybody above is Muslim. That line shifts. God said the line is either going towards the desert or it's coming towards the Atlantic. It will not stay on one spot. Please, I want Christians to get it into their heads. That is just the way life is. I'm digressing, but let me digress more. If you had the Christian agenda, instead of saying, all these Christians, all these Muslims in the South, drive them away. You won't want them to go. Because when they are here, they are easier to reach with the gospel. Through of us, if you go to your gate man and start preaching to him, what can he do? There is nothing he can do. But in his, country, in his place, I mean, most radio stations in the deep, purely Islamic states, what do they call it, states in Nigeria, they don't allow radio uh, Christian programs on air. When you come down to Enugu, you will hear it. All. We need to have evangelists go and stay where they are, where they are plenty, begin preaching, how, sir? But instead of us to focus on that, what are we talking about? Yeah, the Islamic agenda. Yeah. 
So anyway, back to what I was trying to say. All right? That man sent me the, the, this thing. He said that in that Islamic agenda, the article I was about, that he sent to me, he said this so-called Islamic agenda is nothing but a distraction. That the real problem, back to where I remember that, the real problem, the real problem he said is a lack of Christ-likeness in the Christians. He said that's the real problem. Christians are not being Christ-like. You put them in political offices, you cannot swear by their Christianity. So that's the problem. The real problem is that you see those who say to be Christians outside, beyond what they say with their mouth, look at their actions, you're not sure. He said that is the real problem. Now why am I talking about it? Because the man said this noise, and this was writing from the north, not from the south. The fellow who wrote it somewhere up north. He's a Christian, of course. He said he thinks that this Islamic agenda problem, Satan is, in quote, is succeeding with it. And what I mean by success is that he's able to distract Christians from their real issues. So that I hear them all the time making noise. What the people of God need now is to come together during the election. You know when they say that, and people will be putting money in, trying to campaign, when they do that, they never tell themselves what people of God need now is true repentance. They are so bo- busy planning politics. We teach ourselves that it's the enemies. And I guess I hear me pray like this all the time. It is not the enemies. It is not. And the time of affliction is for us to get back inside. Pick Psalm 119. Have I kept his precepts? You are getting what I'm trying to say. Sometimes a businessman prints your account. Look, literally, money speaks a lot. Are you getting my point? Money talks loud. Check, print your account for the last three months and tick each thing and see, was this right? Each expenditure, each income. For example, this money went out. How much was it? 265,600 naira. What was that money for? Paying people that supplied us. Good. When did they supply? Six months before. Why were you just paying them on that day? I mean, it's a simple discussion. Oh, I didn't have any money at all. We did not make any sales. All right? The Holy Spirit says, no problem. 